0: All right, dog, count us in whenever you're ready.
1: All right. Three, two, one.
2: Day after day, month after month, podcasts come and podcasts go. But there is one podcast that continues to rise, continuing to make that climb up the summit towards the peak. And that, my friends, is the Cal Park Bros Podcast, featuring two bros from, you guessed it, Cal Park. You have Teflon Terrence, a man that nothing sticks to. You have the debonair one, Jason, who has a million-dollar look and a million dollar voice and you'd pay three million dollars just to look and listen to them but lucky for you you can listen to both of them for free on your podcasting platforms on thursday with the cow park bros podcast you name it they'll talk about it my friends it's time for the podcast
1: The CalPart Bros Podcast. I'm your host Terrence and with me is my co-host Jason calling in from the back cave in Indianapolis. Jason how are you my good man?
0: Hey man you know what it is it's game time it's Tuesday. Uh, despite certain somebody's busy schedule on Tuesdays apparently it's now finally game time. Uh, I'll, folks I was telling Terrence the other day he's like the busiest man on Tuesdays I've ever, ever met in my life. It's it's good though it's good though we always still have time to do this stuff but man I'm like dude, it's Tuesday it's supposed to be a lame day. But as we always say, for us, no longer is it lame day because it's game day. Yeah, man, doing good. Um, definitely have some topics to talk about today. So um, a few mixed emotions when it comes to the three that we're going to talk about. But I'm ready to go, man. What What, what about you?
1: I'm, I'm good. I've had a very productive start to the week. And I'm feeling focused. So um, definitely ready to take on these topics. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, spirited discussion before we even got to recording this damn thing. So definitely ready to go, folks. Thank you. F- thank you for listening. This is episode 20 of the Cal Park Bros podcast for the uninitiated. Cal Park Bros is a weekly podcast for fans of culture, current events, sports, life and entertainment.
0: Folks, and as always, we are your hosts, Terrence and Jason. And every single Thursday, we release a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love.
1: And even some of the athletes we loathe. Folks, no matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois.
0: Folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and YouTube. Under the handle Calpart Bros or Calpart Bros podcast for more behind the scenes of the Calpart Bros show and to engage with us every single day. But also, the Calpart Bros podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Like us, love us, share us, follow us, and if you like us, why wouldn't you?
0: Best line podcast history. Simple
1: enough. At least our podcast history. All right, folks, let's get it cracking. The first segment we're going to kick off the show with today is the news that uh, President Biden has effectively ended the uh, war in Afghanistan. Um, I know uh, President Biden just ended uh, earlier today a press conference regarding really how we exited uh, Afghanistan anyway, Um, and to make matters worse with the 13 uh, soldiers Um, being killed in Kabul um, last week. Um, It's definitely been a hotly contested uh, discussion. Um, We've been in this conflict for almost 20 years. Actually, no, 20 years plus, I believe. And Jason, one thing I was going to ask you is, I know you've definitely had some, you mentioned mixed emotions. What are, what are some initial emotions that you have um, as we've exited the United States that we've exited out of this conflict in Afghanistan?
0: So obviously this is a huge topic uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, as anybody who's a fan of the show and has been watching our Between the uh, Copper Bros segments that we post on IGTV and YouTube plug, um, you're well aware that I, I'll flat out say I I did not want to talk about this, Um, just because, not necessarily because it's a big topic, because we talked about other stuff before, just because I feel like it's a complicated topic. And I I told Terence yesterday that I was just worried or concerned about, with it being military, military related, not necessarily offending people, but kind of turning people off to the show because of our military, you know, bad opinions, supposedly, that people might might say. But at the same time, but then I started thinking, well, you know what? Again, it's a big topic. We're not afraid to talk about big topics, so uh, so I don't want to say I caved and uh, <laughs> talking about it now, but, yeah, we're going for it. Uh, one thing I do want to say, though, is that no matter what I say about this, and I'm sure Terrence is going to say the same, that my political affiliation or lack thereof has nothing to do with my opinions on this. I didn't vote for Biden. I didn't vote for Trump. So whatever I say about this has nothing to do with that or how I feel about either one of them. Simple as that. But you did mention, um, yeah, it's recognized that this war has been going on for 20 years back shortly after after 20, uh, 9, when W Bush the president deployed troops over to Afghanistan in the, basically, long story short, and the idea of getting back the people that helped plan and aided in, you know, the Pentagon attacks and the World Trade Center bombings, stuff like that. So, that's pretty much when it began, even though we've had connections to Afghanistan, military-wise, war-wise, before that, this is really the marking of, at least the current iteration of this war. And and obviously, and we're going to talk about 9-11 next, next week, but when you hear 20 years of this, it almost makes you forget that it's been 20 years. I mean, obviously we know that troops have been over there for a long time, but it kind of makes you think, wow, this has been 20 years we've been there. And that's from our perspective. If you're somebody who's been, is in the military and who's been over there and been over there since, you know, day one, essentially. Day one. Right. It's been a long time for you, you know? Um, so, and I know Biden has faced, some not I wanted to put it on Biden. But I know he's faced some criticism with how the exit withdrawal has commenced when it comes to you know it being chaotic, seemingly and doesn't have much of a plan involved, which may or may not be true. But the fact of the matter is we were getting out of there as was agreed upon by the pres the uh, previous administration, Donald Trump you know, we're supposed to be out or have the exit plan or start the withdrawal process May 1 of this year, which is three months ago. Uh, Biden, of course, extended that, said we're going to be fully out of here by the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Obviously, certain things, you know, that were happening over there forced us to move that up to, you know, today. Um, And that's where we're at, man. Um, You mentioned the the 13 military officers who lost their lives earlier. We'll, We'll go more into that. But I think that's just another reminder, perhaps. And Biden mentioned this in the speech and, or his address today, which I think he kind of blamed Trump a little bit too
3: much, probably. But How, why do
1: you I, I don't mean to interject, Jay, but I want to know. A, you mentioned, you know, Biden is the fourth president um, that is effectively over, over overseen uh, a war in Afghanistan. So we've been at this 20 years. We've had four presidents. Um, Biden's gonna get some heat, frankly, just because his name's on the fucking door now. Um, but some would say you're kind of foolish politically if you don't at least remind people, "Hey, I've been at the job less than a year. This other dude was on it for four. Why do you feel that he blamed the press, the former president, President Trump, uh, too much? I am curious. I didn't re, I didn't uh, watch the press briefing. I would just love to hear your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, I, 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 well, so
3: I, but pretty much what I think we just said, there's been four presidents going through this, most of which wasn't Biden. And you really can't blame just one individual.
0: And now granted, granted, Biden did take responsibility for the chaotic exit that happened. He took responsibility for that. Not that that should make anybody feel better. But. This doesn't just go on Trump. This goes on Obama and W. Bush, the whole process. Not to say that any one of those other three did anything wrong, per se. From my perspective, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But what I'm saying is you can't just put blame on one of them. They all had a hand in this one way or another. All the lives lost over the course of the, all this 20 years is on all four of them, not just not just Trump. As much as we all hate Trump, want to blame him for everything. Can't put it all just on him when it comes to this especially. Um so that's that's what I was referring to there and a lot of political an- analysts were, were were roasting Biden for that too by the way not that that matters to us but it happened. But the the fact of the matter is in my strong opinion on this what I told you yesterday word for
3: word verbatim is that the United States needs to stop playing the role of world police. Now Biden said this in the, in the speech and and it's from everything I'm reading including an article I found on USA Today that
0: Gives a strong timeline of day one from us being there twenty years ago till you know today. That the main point of being there, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but the main point of us going over there originally was to, like I said, get Osama bin Laden, or at the time the Taliban, Al Qaeda, anybody who had a hand in 9/11, and preventing any future attacks,
3: you know, on the United States, with Afghanistan being the medium for that to happen. That was the goal of us going over there. Right? We got Osama bin Laden in 2011. Um, uh, I remember the exact day, but it was May
0: 2011. The the country celebrated that. Great. Task one was, was accomplished. So at what point do we start achieving goal number two to make sure it doesn't happen again? Did that happen before today when it comes to, you know, Making sure the U.S. doesn't get attacked again, some could say maybe that was achieved. But I have to say, why couldn't that have been achieved
3: before ten years between Osama being killed and right now? So I know there. Are, I know between
0: uh, Obama and, and and Trump, there were plans to get uh, troops out of there before now, but again, that didn't happen. So, so maybe now that we're gone. From all this, from from Afghanistan, maybe the Taliban and some stuff I'm reading might indicate that may be the case. They'll take care of Afghanistan, run it how they run it, and leave us leave us alone. Obviously, we can't take anybody's word for that. Biden seems to think think their actions may dictate that that may be the case. I don't know,
3: but if the war is over, I'd have to say great. Finally. Hopefully one doesn't start back up, either from us starting it or
0: them starting it, but I'm glad it's over. But going back to what my original main point is, hopefully this will serve as a lesson to the United States and its military and the the people running the military that we need to stop playing world police. And keep the focus on that second goal is make sure attacks on the U.S. don't happen again without trying to build up democracy in another country. Or, again, play world police in other countries. You
3: have your embassies in other countries, leave them there, great, do what they do, that's fine. But the whole world policing stuff probably needs to stop. I'm going to go ahead and cut off right there. let you say your thoughts, and we
0: can go from there.
1: Yeah, Jason, I think, well, one, I still don't think we're going to stop being I don't think we're going to, the United States of America is going to stop being the world police. We're just going to stop it in this particular part of the world. Uh, And it's crazy that we have been such a staple in Afghanistan for 20 years. And yet in a weird way, it feels like nothing's changed. That's the scary part. That's the scary part for me is that think about all the lives lost. After September 11th. Um, and it's not like, you know... This is not the first time we've been tinkering in that side of town. On, on the globe, okay? That's so how we ended up in cahoots with Os- Osama bin Laden in the first place. You know, we were we were funding his efforts previously. So... Until he t- went rogue and then turned tails turn, uh turn tails on us, so I I feel like to your point, Jason, and you had a lot of good points. Let me start there the the point about there's it's not just one person to blame like Donald Trump had a shit ton of faults as president, <laughs> but trying to get the hell up out of Afghanistan was probably the one time he actually sounded like almost presidential, which is saying something. You also said you that the job of whatever the hell the United States of America was trying to do in Afghanistan is so big that you can't even blame one person. Now, that's not... Uh, co- that's not uh, reconcilable with how we choose to actually say people are good or bad at being president that's not going to work politically that's not what makes the political campaigns that's not what makes mid- midterm elections but I, ga- I got what you were saying like Afghanistan is bigger than George W. Bush it's bigger than President Obama it's bigger than President Trump it's bigger than um, President Biden And for all of those men's faults and their gifts, it was always going to be bigger than them. I also think that I'm really glad that I don't think that you caved. I think that you simply needed to distill what it was that we actually wanted to talk about when we brought up the when we brought up this uh the segment idea of Afghanistan because that is a legitimate concern uh, that we strike the right notes but we're also true to ourselves um and we're, tr- we're true to our community because I never would have been okay with this being like an anti military sentiment type of segment. This is really not about the military. This is about individuals who happen to run the military, who happen to run for political office, and how they effectively move pieces like the military. And whether or not the way in which they did that actually helped or hurt not only the United States of America, but also the world and also Afghanistan. You know, thoughts and prayers to the, the families of the 13 servicemen, uh, service members that were killed. Um, but there has been a lot of death and despair for those that actually reside in Afghanistan. Um, does the United States have a role in how broken that place is, yeah, we do. I mean, that's kind of the the whole world police part of the deal when you decide that, hey, every fight is your fight, or rather you should have a say in every fight we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna crack a few eggs along the way. we're gonna dash some hopes and dreams we're gonna we're gonna kill some people doing that That is also a part of this thing we like to call American exceptionalism. So, yeah, I, as as we pivot quickly to the 20th anniversary of September 11th, it is very ironic that the less than cer- ceremonious exit of the United States of America, yet another conflict where we we're ending a conflict, but the conflict doesn't exactly feel like we won. <laughs> like, what the hell did we win?
3: That's that's
1: not really for us to answer today. Maybe people feel different. But I don't really feel like there's a tangible thing that we can hold in our hands and say, oh, wow, I can grasp onto this. Other than having... um Osama bin Laden's head on a platter. What else did we really get from this twenty-year conflict? Of the more death, you know. So, I'm glad that we took on this topic. The Afghanistan is so damn big because you are talking about military policy because you are talking about political. Um, You are talking about fiscal policy. I mean, think about how much fucking money has been sent to that region that could have gone to something else in the United States of America for the last 20 years. You probably could have canceled every student loan. (laughs) You probably could have, you know, invested in infrastructure. You could have invested in education. You could have invested uh, in science and research. But. And it's not to say that, well, the United States can only do one thing at a time. No, we walk and chew gum all the time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. That is awfully fucking expensive for one guy's head. And that's all we're really walking out with. Huh.
3: Uh, so you, you you mentioned the money spent uh,
0: by the U.S. In regards to our occupation, you know, occupying Afghanistan and doing all the work there. Uh, the figure I found, according to multiple
3: websites, is a little over two trillion dollars. Yes, folks, I said trillion with a T.
0: Not much in my daily interactions, either at work or personally, do I ever even see the word trillion when it comes to any number I've seen. But that's how that much money we spent in 20 years. So, yeah, it's spread across, spread across 20 years. But as to your point, that money could have been spent other ways in the U.S. Now, yes, I get it. Get it some of that money people could say, well, it's, it's some of that money's built, helped to protect the
3: U.S. So, okay, and they're right. But how much less of that money could have been saved by not being there as long? I mean, not being there 20 years. You know,
0: again, we're not, and again, we're, as I said before, we're not military experts here at the Calabar Bros. We're not claiming to be. But I think most citizens in this country, especially today, are going to wonder why were we there for 20 years? whether Even people who are in the military. But definitely, some of the military people I talked about their their anger at this is how is it possible that we've been there for 20 years and all of a sudden the Afghan government just folded like that in a matter of of, of moments, almost by comparison. Kind of, so it kind of makes you know us being there for so long almost kind of pointless in a way.
1: It also makes it it seem like wow, this is really a house of cards, and all that shit was for show, like the whole. You know, pomp and circumstance about having free elections. All of it. It feels very fake. I didn't say it was fake. I said it feels fake. It doesn't feel real. It feels like it's a fantasy being propped up by propaganda. And the United States is still pretty good at that angle too, by the way.
3: But I guess, you know, if we're looking at a view of moving forward beyond just not creating the
0: same mistake again, which obviously, like you are saying, they're going to play world police, you know. Um, I mean, if it's a, if it's a, in an effort to protect the U.S. from attacks, okay, great. But when does the line stop? And I guess we can't answer that. But that's something that the, the powers that be need to answer for themselves when it comes to, okay, where's the line drawn between us protecting America? and us trying to, you know, play God, essentially, in other countries, you know. Well, but with that, I guess this focus should be now on what is the government going to do for the 100,000-plus refugees who fled fled Afghanistan in the area to come here. I, I see companies like Airbnb, you know, paying, you know, um, uh, Airbnb hosts to house the, some of these re- refugees, you know, to give them housing, but of course they're gonna to to, they're gonna be here, they're gonna to have to work, I guess, you know, stuff like that, which I guess can be figured out. But I guess that's what the focus should be now. Now that the war now that the war is over, and that yes, the air quotes are there. What are we gonna do for the refugees to help them move on in life, whether it's here, somewhere else, whatever? You know, and
3: I guess they'll figure that out. But and of course we mentioned already the the thirteen people who lost their lives. Um uh, in that uh,
0: suicide bomb attack that, that happened shortly while this stuff was happening at the airlift there. And I, I do, even though, like you said, many have died over the course of the 20 years, but I guess these 12, 13 stand out because it was an effort while we we're trying to get out of the country, yet these 13 just couldn't make it. But in Cal Park Bros fashion, as we've done before on the show, I do Feel I do want to go through the names of these individuals uh, real quick, and again, it's not to slight anyone else who's died recently while there, even also during the exit. But I just feel like it, it's important to mention. And one thing you'll notice a common theme about about these people when I go through them, which I'll touch on when we're done. Wow. Um, but here we okay. go. Yeah, uh, Marine Corporal Lance. Uh, Marine Corps Lance Corporal David L. Espinosa, 20, of Rio Bravo, Texas. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole L.G., 23, of Sacramento, California.
3: Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover, 31, of Salt Lake City. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan C. uh, Gnauss, 23, of Coryton, Tennessee. Marine
0: Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22, of Indio, California. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley J. McCullum, 20 of Jackson, Wyoming. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20 of Rancho Cucamonga, California. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem N. Pr- forgive me, um, Kareem M. Nakao, 20 of Norco, California. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario Pichardo, 25 of Lawrence, Massachusetts.
3: Marine Corps Corporal Humberto A. Sanchez, 22, of Logansport, Indiana. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, 20, of St. Charles, Missouri. Navy Hospital
0: Corpsman uh, Maxton W. Soviak, 22, of uh, Berlin Heights,
3: Ohio. Marine Corps Corporal Dagan W. Page, 23, of Omaha, Nebraska. The the one thing you'll notice is twelve of those 30, uh, 13
0: people were all in their twenties. Even the gentleman who's thirty one, they're
3: all young. Five of them weren't even old enough to drink yet, legally in the U.S. Now, I, I this I don't want to go too far in this because this is off subject, but I will say that I think stuff like
0: this. Now, obviously, these people volunteered; they signed up for the military on their of their own accord, but. I will say that one thing I've always been against, and I know people will definitely agree with me, that at least when it comes to the United States military, that if these individuals legally aren't old enough to drink for, I'm sure a good reason that's why that's why it's a law, why are they legally allowed to give their lives for this country? If they're if they feel like they somebody who's eighteen, nineteen, twenty can't make legally make the decision to take alcohol into
3: the body, but yet they're of sound mind to go to war and get their life for their country. Really? I mean, if you, if you're if you had the chance, go online, look at the faces of, the, of these young men. I mean, they're not babies like in a crib babies, but they're babies in life. And now their families have to have to bury them essentially, or have a funeral for them, because they were in a war that maybe they shouldn't have been in the first place. Like some of these guys who are 20, they probably, probably weren't even alive when 9-11 happened. Think about that. The reason this war started was over something that these guys weren't even alive yet to experience probably, when they're, they're only 20. And real quick, I did, and I thought about this when I was making notes for the show. Just a quick question for you.
0: When it when it comes to you and your household, obviously we we as we talked, your kids, you know, none of them were, were old enough to. They weren't alive for nine eleven. Not even your oldest. Have you or the the wife had any conversations with them ever, either recently or in the past, about nine eleven and why that's so significant in United States history?
1: Yes, um, the. My children were old enough to remember the ten year anniversary. So that would have been uh, two thousand and eleven. And there was a fifteen year anniversary. there were t- there have been tons of documentaries. I mean, we went pretty deep into, hey, this is an important event. It changed America. It changed the world. Um, and trying to convey, you you want to talk about tri- striking the right tenor, trying to explain to people, to you, to young children, that, you know, thousands of Americans losing their lives in the most heinous way possible. Um. And also speaking about nine eleven and how it led to a lot of xenophobia and how we are paying the price for some of that xenophobia to this day. So, yes, we have um, spoken extensively about 9 11 um, and the markets left on the nation to our kids.
0: All right. Yeah. I definitely want to save some of that for next week. So, folks, again, with the anniversary. Being next Saturday, essentially. um, Definitely want to want to just want to ask that out of curiosity because I kind of brought up these thir- one of these thirteen members, uh, five of the thirteen were not were only you know not old with the drink yet weren't alive when nine eleven happened. So I have kind of was thinking about that earlier when it comes to your relation to your kids. So thank you for sharing that. We'll definitely go more into this topic next week, folks. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely. I think I, I've said my piece on this for sure. Um, I, when we went in this topic that today, I think you know I normally normally make show notes for for the show just to kind of like a baseline for the points I want to talk about, and I even though we don't always follow it, of course, but still it's good to know. But when I was making show notes for this segment in particular, I I didn't really know how to how to put it. I'm like, I know what I want to say, but like, how do I go about saying it? Because it's it's like, I don't know. I just kind of felt that need to kind of be perfect when we, when we say stuff. But so essentially I didn't make any notes for this segment. I'm just like, you know what? I'll let Terrence ask ask his opening question, you know, go from there. I read enough articles on this today. So, you know, I just figured i will let you ask your question and go from there. So uh, thanks for, for doing that, man. That was definitely a good segment. Uh, did not go as poorly as I thought it might. So that's good to know as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely said my piece on this. So what are your final thoughts on this particular topic, sir?
1: Um, my first, my final thought on this is a quote from, Albert Einstein, which is older men start wars, but younger men fight them.
3: That goes in line pretty well with, uh, yeah, what I was just saying
0: before. So yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Again, thank you for being open and being honest. And I think you you really you know you want to talk about showcasing the 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 Jason that I know and love, someone that actually cared enough to look to actually research this topic and you gave a lot of nuance that I didn't anticipate us getting into like the fact that many of the service members were incredibly young. Um that is something that we can't we we, we can and should shouldn't avoid when we discuss the military. So It's actually one of the most pro-military and pro-American things we can do here on Cal Park Bros. All right, that concludes that segment on Afghanistan. Coming up next in segment two, we're going to be talking about fantasy football rules that we love and also love on Cal Park Bros. It went pretty well. Dude. If you're going to do it, let's do it. It'd be the best segment with starter. You know. I do. Welcome back to the Cow Bros podcast. Jason and I are fresh off our very spirited and nuanced discussion on uh, the India of the 20-year conflict in Afghanistan, um, per the president earlier today. Uh, in this segment, we're going to be talking about fantasy football, as you, many of you in the country uh, and internationally know that NFL season is upon us and fantasy football was all the rage. Uh Jason, do you remember the first year you actually did a fantasy football league?
0: Actually, it's funny you asked that. I was thinking about that earlier when it was the first time? Uh for sure I can recall it goes back to 2009, I believe it was. Um Yeah, it was 2009. So been a long time. Long time long time player, long time fan.
1: Long time player. Not, not, not only is he a member, but he's a club president. Um, I got in my first league with my fraternity brothers uh, when I was, I believe, 20, 21. And basically we've kept that league going for the last 20 plus years. So I, I've gone certain years where I've had like four plus leagues and I've been miserable. And I've also had years where I've only done the one league and this is that one league that I've done. So this year I'm doing two. So I'm trying to mix it up a little bit.
0: I, I've never been, i not going to knock anybody here. Okay. I mean sounds you're, like you're about to, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah l- let me throw in the no offense, but uh, <laughs> no offense to you, certain fantasy football players and other sports as well. But when it comes to fantasy sports, number one let me go ahead and back up and say that i don't play in pay pay leagues i don't do that um i when it comes to gambling in general i've never been a big fan of that i'm always big on betting on myself not on somebody else so if i win money in a gambling situation not that i do that now but even before i bet on myself so if i win money it's because of me if i lose money it's because of me as opposed to somebody else you know so that's just been my thing. So I've always played in free fantasy football leagues for the most part, and then there you go. Uh, with that said, I've never been big on people who play like in like four, or five, six leagues at a time or whatever the number is. I'm always – I play in one, and I ride or die with that one. Whatever happens, that's it. Because my thing on that is, okay, if you play in five leagues or four, as you were saying, and you, you happen to win in one of them, okay, great, you won. What you do in the other three? Right. So. So yeah, that's where
1: I ended up being. I was like, okay, I can't even, I can't even be happy that Larry Fitzgerald went off this week because he's literally murdering me in another two leagues this week. Exactly. There's no, there's no, there's no allegiance. Like two is the max, and for for me going forward, like I'll do a league with my fraternity brothers. I'll do a league with maybe some people from work, and that's it, because. And it 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 can't be the same rules because some of these rules I don't even fucking like. For example, um, okay, my fa- my favorite my favorite rule that I hate is the concept of a keeper league, because prime example, we have a keep we have a keeper we have a keeper league, uh, in my fraternity league, um and we 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 actually swapped to that i want to say like 5 or 6 years ago and what's hilarious is the reason why i loathe the keeper rules is because everybody was clamoring to have them and yet no one in our fucking league understands them
0: yeah i've heard of keeper leagues i've never been in one i don't understand the concept i've only uh, recently been in like an auction draft for the first time and i'm like and even that was new but the whole keeper thing For those of us who don't know, including me, explain the concept of Keeper League.
1: Well, Keeper League, um, the way our Keeper League is set up, basically you draft players. And what you can do is you can opt to keep a certain player or players for a second year or a third year in exchange for effectively giving up one of your draft spots that next year. Why would you do that? Um, you would do it if, for example, you had someone like a Lamar Jackson who, because no one thought that he was literally going to blow the doors off in Baltimore the way he did to the, to the level of being an MVP. So let's say if you drafted him in like rounds 13 through 16, let's say you drafted him in the 16th round
3: mm-hmm.
1: and he, he goes bonkers. You have to keep him. Well the most you have to give up for Lamar Jackson, a fucking MVP, uh quarterback is a f- tops, a 12th round pick.
0: Okay. So what the, okay. That's the question. So what determines what round picture you, pick you're giving up?
1: Well, what determines that is what round you drafted him in the previous year. So for example, the person who was fortunate enough, not me, um, <laughs> to To draft Lamar Jackson, if they happen to draft them in the 16th round, then they have to give up their 15th round pick the following year. That's where the value is. It's it's as close as some of us are ever going to get to actually thinking we can run a fucking team, uh, which is sad because it's really just blind, dumb, fucking luck, right? I mean, you just happen to fall, have a guy like that fall into your lap, and he happened to be really, really good. Good for you. It makes a really easy business decision the following year to say, "Uh, duh, I'm keeping him. Right. Because you're not going to find anyone more valuable. You name someone else that you'd be willing to, you know, if look at it like a trade. You'd be willing to trade ideally your 15th pick for any player. Someone who probably put up, I mean, shit. Lamar Jackson probably put up easy 500 points his uh, his uh, rookie or second year, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's the value. I like it in theory. I don't like it in principle because there's a fun thing called uh, free agents. Um, so if you happen to draft somebody and then you release them <laughs> and then it gets a little wiry actually trying to, you know, audit all that shit and figure out what the hell actually happened the year prior. So, um, but all jokes aside, I like the idea of a Keeper League. I don't like the the reality of having to administrate a Keeper League. And that's why I, I loathe it, because it, it's, it is a soul-sucking experience.
0: I could tell you were speaking from commissioner experience when it comes to that I, I can just tell by the disdain in your voice like he was a commissioner okay. yes
1: yes yes I did I did get drafted as a co-commissioner so that that is definitely a a, a rule slash process that I think, oh geez surely there's got to be a better way um I, another thing I another rule that I, I'm not a fan of is uh ties. Ties in football. Total bullshit.
0: <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're referring to ties in the fantasy football aspect. Yeah?
1: Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. But also, I'm not all that big on ties in actual football either. So. Right. Well,
0: there's a reason for that. But but at the, at the same time, I, I do agree. I feel like there should be a tie, or there can be a tie, which is probably very rare in fantasy football.
1: Does Donovan know we can have ties? Let's go back and ask him. <laughs>
3: Let's go back and ask Eagles McNabb if if he knows
0: we can have ties in football. But um, I, I there's I, I can't say there's a rule per se that I don't like when it comes to fantasy sports, football or otherwise. The one thing that I loathe though, and it doesn't really even affect me technically, but the one thing I loathe is people who elect to, to auto draft.
3: <laughs> I can't stand it. It's like okay. I know things come up if
0: like if like your your significant other is 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 pregnant or if you're pregnant and all of a sudden your baby happens to pop on the day of the draft okay obviously obviously that's okay you can't control that you're giving life into the world that's okay but but if you had like any sort of like a, a date scheduled or anything that could
3: could have been rescheduled or anything like that no offense to to whoever your date is but they're not important this draft is important.
0: And I, and, and I mentioned the whole auto, or excuse me, the uh, auction draft that I was in once. And in this draft, there was two people who were auto-drafting, right? And I don't know if these people set, set their thing up to where they would bid on certain players, certain amounts, no matter what. But you can actually see who's bidding on who, right? So I'm like, okay. And, and like every time there's a player up that I have no interest in, in bidding on, I'm just watching and see who drafts on who so I can kind of figure out, okay, this is what's going on. And every time these two auto drafters are in bids, and keep in mind, no one's sitting there doing this. They're just the auto drafting that they have set up is just ding 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 ding, raising the, the price on them. I'm like, bro, there's no way I know you need, want this player because you don't need them. But because you have it set up that way, they're just bidding, just raising right the the bid up on everybody else. And it's just annoying, it's like, dude, and not only from my aspect of you're just wasting our time because now you're automatically guaranteed to take the entire Minute two minutes of your, of your pick time. It's like, bro, come on. We know you're who you're gonna pick. Just, come on. This running back is sitting here. We know you're gonna pick this. Let's just go. You know.
1: But <laughs> I but think yeah. that's part of the reason why I kind of miss. I know because of COVID, you know, it's not gonna be as much of a thing. But I, I do. I, I do miss the idea of a live in person draft because there's some accountability measures in there where you're getting, you know, you're eye-to-eye with these people, there's some social judgment there. And maybe that's what's missing from our society nowadays.
0: I tell you what, when it comes to football, I've only actually been to one live in-person draft. It was with a bunch of dudes from work at the time. I got it. It was, uh, where do we go? It was actually at Buffalo Wild Wings. We took advantage of their draft stuff there, you know, Uh, which I don't know if that was the environment that made it pretty cool, but it was actually pretty fun. Uh, but when it comes to the accountability and also just kind of like the interaction, I have been to several in-person drafts. When it comes to fantasy basketball, uh, back in the day, some people in the family on my dad's side used to play, um, used to play uh, fantasy sports, uh, basketball in particular. And like it was always a ritual. This on this particular Saturday or Sunday, we're going to get together at this certain person's house, and we're going to have a draft. You got to be there, show up. Or if we can get on the phone, we can be on the phone and do it, whatever. But it was good to interact and see people's strategies and kind of talk and have that banter, which might have been might helped because it was family. But it was pretty cool to have that experience there. Like, have somebody pick this person. Everybody kind of look around like, why'd you pick that guy? You know, to, to feel that, that instant judgment because you might have made a horrible pick. Whether it turned out to be good or bad, it turned out to be good or bad, you know. But... I guess when I I guess when I'm thinking about it and thinking about one of my uh, relatives, you know, rest in peace, my uncle Teddy. One one rule that he was hard against in basketball. He, would, he when he was always the commissioner a lot. He would never allow trades at all. Like trades weren't going to happen.
1: <laughs>
0: like he, he his 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 rule, which was I I hated it then, but now that I'm gotten deeper into fantasy sports, I'm like, you know what, I like this. It. Now yeah, you get it.
3: Now you
1: get it.
0: His theory was, if you wanted him, you should have drafted him. And I'm like, that makes sense. For the most part, if there was a guy out there you wanted it, I mean, short of, you know, you having the first pick, if there's a guy out there that you wanted, you should have drafted him, you know? So he always said, no trades. You know, either work with what you got or free agent pool and that's it. I've never forgot that. So my Uncle Teddy, if you wanted him, you should have drafted him.
1: Should put a ring on it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So
0: so I'm actually not a fan of trades. I I always laugh when somebody sends me a trade offer. I'm like, ha, ha, scoff, decline. You know, I'm not trading with you, you know? Because my worry with that always is, what if I wind up making a trade with you that looks good for me now, but turns out to be better for you? And all of a sudden, you start winning the championship, and I'm thinking back, oh, wait, this guy wouldn't have won the championship if I didn't give him player X, player Y, you know?
1: I mean, that's literally the ways in which random fantasy football managers are not like real life football managers, because if you don't make those trades in real life, your ass is getting fired.
0: I mean, I I will say this. Um, the one time I did make a trade in fantasy football and I felt extremely dirty when I did it. (laughs) Is that I, I remember the year it was, I don't remember the end result, but I know it did help me at least is that I made a trade with somebody and I don't remember who I traded for. I don't remember who else I got, but I traded for Aaron Rodgers. And as you guys may not know, listen, I and Terrence are big Bears fans. So again, I felt extremely dirty picking up the Packers quarterback. I'm like, oh, ah." I felt so bad the next day after I made that trade. I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. But. To people's credit. They say, "Well, when it comes to fantasy football, it shouldn't be about your team affiliation." And I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But to this day, I still refuse to draft any Packers.
3: Refuse. I don't care if it's Rogers, Devontae Adams, whoever else you want to name. I'm not if you're a Packer, I'm not drafting you.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I too have been the the victim of homerism in uh, in the National Football League uh it has not necessarily translated to actual Lee success for me but there is such a thing as making a pr- principal stance uh for all of sports them so
0: i mean I, I tell you what i, I, I de- but on the opposite opposite side of that i don't go out of my way to draft bears if they fall to me and if it's one of the players i deem that's draft draftable worthy like allen robinson this year david Montgomery maybe If you're in running for a kicker, maybe the Bears kicker, maybe. But other than that, I'm like, "Um, I don't think there's really anybody I want on the Bears. So if I don't get one of these three guys, I'm good. Let me ask you this, Terrence. Uh, Let me give give me a a small, subtle brag here. So I mentioned that I believe I first started playing fantasy sports or football, at least, in 2009. And I basically played for the most part every year since then. I want to brag a little bit to say that every year, I'm like, I'm like the Atlanta Braves. Every year, I made I've made the playoffs except for one year. Now the converse of that, though, I've only won one championship, though. So,
1: but uh, yeah. I was w- wondering where you were going with this. I'm like, I got one. I got one. I'm like, you try to move to a whiter area of Atlanta.
0: Hey man, I got one. I got one, bro. I got one. But but that was my question. Well, how many championships have you actually won in fantasy sports, football or otherwise?
1: Um, in football, I've won none. I have. I am notorious for doing really really well in the regular season. Uh, ironically, the year Gabrielle was born, I missed my draft because you know father responsibilities and stuff. As we
0: were just talking about exactly.
1: <laughs> so I I I I I got the okay to auto pick. Um, And I ended up like literally only losing one game that year, but I got squashed out when the playoffs started. Um, That's good, probably because you got
0: lucky as all get out to auto draft and get, get do that. Well,
1: I mean, I'm, be I'm, I'm living proof that it's better to be lucky than good. Um, but no, true. I, I, I have not won a, a fantasy football championship. I have won a fantasy football, a fantasy basketball. Championship, however, though, that was fun. Um, But even if I hadn't won, I was like, I feel like basketball, like baseball is just way too many damn games for me to actually uh, delve into that on a fantasy level anyway. Just too many games. Um, Basketball, I felt like it was forcing me to... Um, pay attention to more players in the league. I mean, I got I got Rudy Gobert before he was even like really good. Um, so you know, that that made me really appreciate um the just the sport, the league. Um, and also it helps when you actually perform. So yeah, I one one basketball chip, that's it. I really haven't delved into a lot of other sports like hockey or baseball because it's just like okay, I don't have the time to even like engage in it enough to be just competent at it. Yeah,
0: when it comes to fantasy basketball, I mentioned all the leagues I've been in. Uh, I haven't done it recently, obviously, but um, all the ones I got in with the family uh, leagues. And I agree with you; it's completely fun. I've never won a championship with with that. I've gotten i done. I feel like I've done really well once, you know, when I got uh, a couple of players did really well for me, and Antoine Jameson and Latrell Sprewell. That's how far back it goes when it comes to players doing well for me uh, in that one year. But yeah, I never won a championship. I think the best I've gotten was second, maybe. Um, I only think. I, actually, I think I got as high as second that year, but didn't finish in the top three. So yeah, I agree with you. Basketball is probably more fun, but not as well. Not that I can say I'm successful, but but I got one championship. That's all that matters. i always in the playoffs every year except for one, and I won a championship. But, yeah, I agree with you. Fantasy baseball, kudos to anybody that does that because it is definitely a time commitment. Like I said, with games every day, you got to change your lineup every day, you got to analyze this, analyze that, who do I want to put in there as opposed to benching. I've seen people do that, like, in action when it comes to them picking their lineup for a given day, one given day,
3: and doing that over the course of six months every day. Again, kudos to anybody that does that. I mean, and and I love baseball.
0: My favorite sport. But I ain't trying to do all that. So again, kudos to anybody that does fantasy baseball on a regular basis. You probably are the biggest baseball nerds in the country, other than like Buster Olney and Tim Kirchner or something like that. Yeah, you definitely are the ultimate baseball nerds. And I say nerds as a compliment in this case, or any case really, but especially in this case, kudos to you, my people.
1: We like nerds here on the Cal Park Bros. We like nerds because we are nerds in our own special way. Hey, somebody once
0: told me that really, when somebody calls you nerds, it really just means you're really passionate about that one particular thing. So, hey, you know what? I'll be a nerd about baseball all day or whatever the, to- the topic is. I'll take it. Yep. Hey, folks, we want you guys to be Cal Park Bros. nerds. Okay?
3: How about that?
1: Yep. A very socially acceptable form of nerd them there. All right. That concludes our segment on fantasy football uh, task rules and, you know, owner shenanigans that we kind of like and or loathe. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the OnlyFans debacle on Cow Park Bros.
0: You're like the you're like the busiest man on a Tuesday I've ever met.
1: Hey man. I got I got the I got the club going up on a Tuesday. What can I tell you? Welcome back to the Calpark Bros podcast. Jason and I just uh, got done discussing fantasy football uh, owner shenanigans and uh, tasks and rules that, frankly, we could do without or we'd rather see uh, be instituted in leagues. Yeah, Jason, uh, you not playing for money may be the purest form of the enjoyment for the sport. You know, the one thing that I didn't mention. As a commissioner, what I absolutely hate is having to go um, shake down people that you know have the money. <laughs> <laughs> like, fan, why the fuck I got to see you at your job about this $50? I, I,
0: I'm, I'm You use the term shakedown. I'm imagining you showing up to somebody's house with a baseball bat in your hand ready to take out somebody's knees for 50 bucks. So,
1: <laughs> It's like, you know. It's so frustrating being commissioner. And if, because it should be just, hey, pay your fucking money. And instead, it's got to be another negotiation. Speaking of negotiation, Jason, we've been discussing talking about OnlyFans for at least the first uh, 19 episodes of this podcast.
0: Not, not that we're only fans of OnlyFans here, but you know, it's it's obviously a big deal. It affects a lot of people. So, so yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, OnlyFans um, and a bit of role reversal. Um, they were, and I'm referencing Bloomberg here. They were slated to bar sexually explicit videos starting in October. This was. So well, frankly, it pissed off a lot of sex workers, uh, because that's how um, sex workers were charge were, were charging customers online. And according to Bloomberg, popularity of the website has exploded during the COVID nineteen pandemic. Starting in October, the company will prohibit creators from posing posting material with sexually explicit conduct on its website, which many sex workers use to sell fans explicit content. They'll still be allowed to put up nude photos and videos, provided they're consistent with OnlyFans policy, the company said Thursday. Now, we want to be clear: OnlyFans is not specifically for pornography. There are a multitude of uh creators, um, not just sex workers, musicians, online influencers that used it to charge fans for uh, content, access to videos, uh, photos, other sort of non-tangible items. Um, and this thing, I, I like I knew OnlyFans was big once Beyonce started talking about it in songs. I didn't know OnlyFans had attracted more than 130 million users per Bloomberg. Mainstream celebrities like Bella Thorne, Cardi B, and Tyga have also set up accounts. Now, this was reversed later, but a lot of the push behind this was because banking partners and payment providers, you know, your MasterCards, your Visas, they were putting pressure on on OnlyFans because they, uh, effectively OnlyFans was trying to get more money. So, I'm referencing the Guardian. OnlyFans had... Stated they were going to ban that content, only to reverse course a couple days later, literally five days later. So, J- Jason, my question for you, really, after I, I've referenced all of, the, all of that, all of that, all those stats, is what's what's your opinion of OnlyFans? Number one, just as a platform. Number two, um, the fact that sex workers feel like. They're always uh, pun intended getting dicked around when it comes to trying to you know legally make a buck.
3: You just had to throw that pun in there, didn't you
1: what did i I'm not throwing it anywhere. <laughs> it's a family show. let's start there
0: good good point good point we want <laughs> we want to capture the the younger demographic with this topic, of course, but um to answer your question. Uh, in general uh although, although I don't use or never have been a patron of the site it it serves a purpose you know i mean whether you hate the industry or not as we I, th- I know you were saying we mentioned yesterday that why does america hate sex workers well i don't i don't i don't, I don't think people do um, i think the fact that the numbers dictate the fact that people pay for the service they may outwardly say one thing about it, but if they're paying for it, then it doesn't really matter.
1: So, I, Jason, I think it does though. That's that was the whole premise behind, you know, OnlyFans, you know, failing to potentially get some financial backing is because America. I mean, OnlyFans is an international enterprise, but you, you America, is well known for how. Uh, at times prudish we can be on Front Street, but then we let the 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 freak flag fly, if it were. Let's try saying that three times fast, uh, behind closed doors. You know, for all we know, it's some bigwig at Chase who uh, may be subscribing, but also or Mastercard and Visa or PayPal, uh, effectively saying nah you you can't use our services to pay for these things. And that's really where I was approaching it from that perspective. It's like, yeah, a person could give in to the, I, I say give in, and what I'm really meaning is it's a free fucking country. If you like that shit and it's legal and you're using your money, go forth and prosper. But it seems like, we love to bottle bottleneck this. We want to it. We want to restrict it, and that seems very odd in the realm of free enterprise. Is where I was approaching it from.
0: Well, regarding the enterprise of it, I mean, like you said, you mentioned OnlyFans changed its mind five days later, not even a full week. You know, and I'm sure the the. The, like I said, it's all about the money. They didn't want to lose none of it. They might have tried to gain some, they didn't want to lose it, any, any of it. Because the fact of the matter is, well, uh, this is according to an article, fortune.com, uh, an article from ni- uh, the 19th of this month, uh, August, that apparently OnlyFans, the, web, the company website has over 7 million paying fans to pay those monthly subscriptions. And they have shelled out a total of $3.2 billion to its creators to, to this date and the fan was the the, the uh, site's been around since t- uh, t- uh, 2016 uh, you mentioned it got popular during the you know probably during lockdown
3: of the, of the pandemic Um, but well, that's a lot of money for OnlyFans they take 20% of all money transacted on OnlyFans off the top so whenever the company said, you know what, we're going to stop allowing certain certain content and you can only post this stuff.
0: A lot of that money getting shelled out is for the stuff that they're trying to ban. So a lot of these creators are looking for other alternatives to post that same content that OnlyFans isn't allowing, finding other platforms where they can post that same content, make the same money they're making without losing their fans or their money. So I'm sure that played a role in OnlyFans changing their mind because 20% of
3: $3.2 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money, Terrence. So they probably don't want to lose none of that. And just so we are clear,
0: I did find an excerpt from the email sent to content creators from OnlyFans in regards to what had to change. And this little excerpt is this, but basically said, do not upload, post, display, or publish content on OnlyFans that shows, promotes, advertises, or refers to sexually explicit conduct, which means, one, actual or simulated sexual intercourse, including genital to genital, oral to genital, anal to genital, oral to anal between persons of any sex. Two, actual or uh, simulated masturbation. Three, any exhibition of the anus or genitals of any person which is extreme or offensive, which, quotations there. Four, actual or simulated uh, uh, material depicting bodily fluids commonly secreted during sexual conduct. So, I'm sure people were probably cringing when I said that, some people anyway, but you get the point of what they're trying to ban. And you can imagine why visually at least, but what they were still allowing was simple, simple nudity. You know, you taking pictures, showing your private, showing your body, stuff like that. And that's it. That was still being allowed. But pretty much all the stuff I, like I said, was just mentioned that wasn't going to be allowed. That's what content creators were making their most money off of. That's what people are paying to see.
3: So, so yeah. So to me, that's, I agree with you. It's a money grab. They're not trying to lose all that money. You know, if con- all these content
0: creators went somewhere else, they're not going to make it. You mentioned certain celebrities have their OnlyFans pages, which they may or may not do nudity. but like Cardi B, Bella Thorne, Tyga, people like that, Black China, who, from what an article I was reading, and I, I'll pull it back up, are four of the top 10 OnlyFans money makers for obvious reasons, because they're huge celebrities. The numbers I've seen, they're making millions of bucks a month just from their OnlyFans. Even Cardi B, who's only posted six times on her OnlyFans. But yeah, she makes like a million bucks a month at least from that. Because her subscribers are paying five bucks a month or week. That's a lot of people paying five bucks for her to make that much money in a month. So, and obviously everyone's not making that much money there. But now, again, I've never used OnlyFans, but I've come across a lot of people who have an OnlyFans page and they are heavy content creators. Um, And for what they tell me, they might not be making Cardi B money, but they're definitely making six figures or five figures from it. So, you know, from that aspect, you know, it might, might not be millions, but it's a lot of money for doing what they do. You know, I'm sure it's a seven day a week job posting content. I mean, we know some of that a little bit when it comes to what we do for the show, obviously not nudity or anything, but you know, for now, that okay, folks. That was Terrence. Terrence's voice, I'm not mine. Kidding. Just be cl- just be just be clear. That was Terrence's voice, not Jason's. Okay, so send all your hate mail to 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 him, not me. But uh, but uh, yeah, bro. It's it's they clearly had to change course. They're gonna lose a lot of money. And, and again, I kind of uh, when I saw this article before, I, those people I know that did OnlyFans, I was asking well, what are you gonna do? Some of them were concerned about it. Some of them were like, you know what, I'm not worried about it because even if OnlyFans doesn't change their mind, but I know they will, I have other ways to do this. And I've even seen websites of, of certain celebrities wanting to create their own website for those content creators who were at the time going to be losing out on OnlyFans. Hey, come to my site. You can post what you want here. You know, so I, I, again, people may not like it, but and not, not to say that the people who, ha- are, who are content creators are prostitutes. But there's a reason that they say prostitution is the world's oldest, oldest, oldest profession.
1: I thought it was the second oldest.
0: Well, either way, point taken. Either way. The fact of the matter is, it's going to be around forever. Sex work is going to be there. Whether we like it or not, it's not going anywhere. Now that we have the invention of the internet, it makes things a lot easier for those creators to do it. So, yeah, it's, it's stuff like this here is here to stay. And I venture to say, and I'm sure they're out there. It may not be as popular for whatever reason, but there's always going to be these other sites popping up as well for content creators to put their stuff there, you know, in addition to OnlyFans to make even more
3: money. So, yeah, definitely, if you're not into it, definitely, you know, do like me and just don't, you know, don't indulge in it,
0: but probably not much you can do about it to make it go away. So,
1: yeah, you sinners.
0: The power of Christ compels you.
1: Yep. I love it. Yeah, man. I, and, and with regard to the OnlyFans deal, I am, I find that when uh, pay providers or vendors do policies like, oh, well, we won't allow adult in- entertainment companies to effectively conduct business. One, I find it to be anti. Uh, American, I find it to be anti-free enterprise, and most importantly, I consider it to be anti-woman because a lot of these content creators happen to be women. Um, and if what if someone happens to create content and they say they set a price and they have willing members of society willing to indulge, then That is literally free enterprise, my friends. So i I cannot get jiggy with any of these bullshit restrictions from Visa, Mastercard, uh, PayPal, any of that shit. Um, This is not the first time, by the way, the adult entertainment industry has been dealing with these sort of shenanigans. Um, It feels wrong. It felt wrong then. It's wrong now. And that's really all I'm going to say about it.
3: That's all nothing else
1: uh, well, you might wanna share 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 with with your with your dear old buddy the uh the handles of some of these uh friends of yours uh for research purposes on the fans <laughs> I'm
0: not gonna comment on that sir uh, i'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna aid in a bed in your life of sin, sir, so if you wanna do that, do it on your own, sir. You don't need my help. At all. Besides, I'm just a lowly co-captain, so you don't need me to do that.
1: Yes. Periodically.
0: That's sarcasm. Yep. Because I'm still the captain now.
1: Yep. Yep. Look at me. Yeah. But that concludes our uh, findings for now until Jason actually sees sees things my way on OnlyFans. Uh, coming up next, we'll wrap up the show, episode 20, uh, and we'll talk about what's Potentially coming up next for the Calpar Bros.
0: That'll do. That'll do, Pig.
1: That'll do. (laughs) I thought about the same thing. That's great. Thank you for listening to the Cal Park Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our anchor home base. Who knows? Your message can end up in a future episode of this year podcast. Jason, any final thoughts this week? Did you, did you say this here podcast? This here podcast. Yes, I did. That's,
0: I don't know why, but that just sounded so country.
1: Well, I my parents are on the, from, on, on this here podcast, and <laughs> Alabama, respectively. So uh, every once in a while, I don't sound like a city slicker because of my lineage. So.
0: Not not that not that this is applicable to anybody in your family because I never heard this, but for whatever reason when I was when I was saying that I thought of like a foghorn leghorn voice.
1: But uh don't beat your ass.
0: <laughs> wow, it's so violent, bro. <laughs> is
1: that the city slicker in you it's so violent? No. No, dude, I just went full foghorn leghorn on on you. That's what happened.
0: I don't think I've ever heard Foghorn Leghorn mention that in any of his cartoons. I'm just going straight beat the hell out of you. I don't think I've heard him say that. But fair enough. But no, man, um, de- definitely a good show. I uh, liked all the topics. Uh, again, the topic one uh, went well, uh, better than I expected. I, I don't, I'm not gonna i not going to say I thought it would be a train wreck, but it uh, went well. I think we hit on good points, the important points. Um, so, yeah, definitely happy with the show, as usual, I'll say. Uh, folks, and definitely we'd love to hear your opinions about any topic we talked about tonight as well as any topic, you know, in the past, or also if you have any topic ideas for the future, you know, we want to hear from you. You can send them to calpartbros at gmail.com as Terrence said, send send them to us in a voice message on our anchor home base. We definitely want to hear from you. Um, but of course, as always, um, God, thank you guys for listening and watching. We always appreciate that. We see you're watching again. We can't thank you enough for that. It definitely keeps us going and motivates us to make everything better. And again, that's all because of you. Um, but make sure, if you haven't already, that you are connecting with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Search Cal Park Bros at Cal Park Bros Podcast. I guarantee you'll find us. Make sure you like and subscribe us there. Uh, but also, importantly, you're listening to us right now, but you can also watch us on YouTube and IGTV. All the segment videos are there. All between the segment stuff is there, which, I don't know, personally, I think is kind of funnier, frankly. But um, uh, especially That's some weird. of the ones... It can't be. So, yeah, exactly. Especially some of the ones coming out this week. But but yeah, definitely IGTV, YouTube. You can watch us there. Keep listening. But As, I, as I've been mentioning before, make sure you lo- watch everything we do and listen to everything we say. Because you guys are good Cal Park Bros. Stalkers, and we appreciate that. Hashtag Cal Park Bros. Stalkers. Join the fan club. I guess we should create another one called Cal Park Bros. Nerds, so there oh, you geez. go. You can be both. Be be a nerd and a stalker for Cal Park Bros. We appreciate that. But um, but once again, thank you for listening, folks. No matter what country you're in, what continent, we see you all listening. Um, thank you for helping us grow, helping us make the show better. But of course, as always, I'll end my portion of the show with this, and you know what's coming. When it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because
1: if you like us, why wouldn't you? Amen, Jason. And with that said, this is Cal Park Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all.
0: like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us,
3: why wouldn't you?